Welcome to Jesus in Therapy. We're your hosts, Kev and Jess. This is a space where we infuse the Word of God with mental health matters. So sit back, enjoy the conversations, and feel free to follow us in our Facebook group, Jesus in Therapy. Listen, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to stay updated as new episodes are released. Enjoy. I had the honor of sitting with Miss Kavina Bullock. And before I give you the conversation, let me just give you a little bit of background about this amazing young woman. Miss Bullock graduated with her master's degree, having majored in English and writing studies. During her time at Kane University, her research interests were Black American empowerment related issues and politics. Her intense studying and hard work allowed her to produce excellent research and projects. And upon completing her master's degree, she wrote her MA thesis, You Sound Black, an academic dive in Black American vernacular English and reclaiming its history. She also allowed that book to become available online, Barnes and Nobles and Amazon.com for you to purchase, which is an amazing book. She also uh, released a secondary book, which you can also purchase on her website, candidcavina.com, and you also can go to amazon.com. And in February of 2020, Miss Bullock launched her own company, Candid Covina LLC, where she offers various services such as proofreading, social media managing services, tutoring, and taking people to their next business level. She's a world travel traveler, and if I'm not mistaken, she's been to at least 12 countries. She loves enhancing her experiences through international travel and the knowledge of other cultures and languages. So without further ado, please help me welcome Miss Kavina Bullock. This episode is brought to you by Life Options Counseling Services. If you are looking for counseling services or resources, our Christian counselors provide a rich therapeutic experience rooted in biblical foundation. For help or to schedule a consultation, reach out to us at 908-290-3550. Today we're talking about a topic that, you know, we've talked about this topic in our own private time. And it's because we're both PKs. And for the audience, some people may not understand uh, what that uh, acronym stands for, but it stands for Preacher's Kid. <laughs> and um, so today we're going to talk, really we want to do, what we want to do is we want to give preachers, children, whether they are still children or if they have grown up to be adults and they have any church hurt, we want to address some of the things that they may have endured so that the public can be aware of, you know, what this position, I'll call it, warrant, what it brings upon us, and also to provide some encouragement. I think the ultimate thing here that we're trying to do, the ultimate goal for our conversation is to bring encouragement to a preacher's kid. So we're going to start off by just, well, how about you just tell us a little bit about who 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 is V? <laughs> Well, I am a recent graduate from Kane University's master's program for English and writing studies. I just recently published my second book, so I'm also an author, and I am officially the CEO of my own company called Candid Kavina LLC. So that's where we offer different services like 
um, literary services. Um, we host webinars, social media management. We do it all. So um, I just recently launched that. So I was very excited about that. Nice. And you are recently engaged. So that's another conversation for another time. <laughs> But uh, yes, you have a lot on your plate. And so, uh, so so tell us a little bit about like just what how was life growing up for you as a PK? Because I know for me, it, it was church, 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 church. Okay. And then it was um, family time whenever we made it a priority and intentionally spent that time. But uh, growing up in a ministry, life is different. And tell me a little bit about your experience. Um, yes, yeah, so my father decided to start uh, ministry, being a pastor, when I was five. So I have no memory of any prior life of having a normal life, really, of not being in the spotlight. I was five years old when that started. And um, just recently, my father has retired, so I'm 25 now. So it's been 20, 20 years of my life has been um, being a, a PK. Um, I would definitely say that it has grown me and shaped me into the person I am today. Without it, I wouldn't be who I am, no matter what have what occurred over the past, you know, few years. Um, but I do often think about things like um, not really having, like you, you said, family time when you can. But I often think about not having that family time, and I'm not trying to focus on the negative. But you know, I would see families at movies and just at dinner and having all these, doing all these activities. And we couldn't really do that because my dad was studying from Sunday to Sunday. There was no breaks, you know, and um, we had to sacrifice that. So it's like, Shh, you know, daddy's studying in the back. It's like, oh, okay. You know, we couldn't make a lot of noise. Or um, if we did go somewhere, we had to rush back because my dad had to preach on Sunday, you know, stuff like that. So it was, challenging because I was in the spotlight so much, especially during those awkward teenage years where you are actually trying to hide <laughs> from the public because you're awkward and, you know, you're, I was moving around to different schools. So not only um, having the responsibility of having the quote unquote, like this perfect image spotlight for everybody. I was also a new kid at school. So it was just kind of challenging, but I would say it had its ups and downs. <laughs> And you know what? You're absolutely right. It is, it is challenging. Uh, and something, a word you used when you described that time of your life was sacrifice. And so I think that we should have uh, an additional appreciation for a preacher's child simply because, you know, they're not, they're in the spotlight. They might not be the main event, the main, you know, focus, because of course the pastor first lady usually is, but the, the preacher's children, I mean, gosh, Lord Jesus, there is so much that we see. And I remember at one point of being a preacher's kid, I was just at this point where I was like, either love my parents or leave. Just like kind of, because you feel that heaviness of people not liking your parents or pretend it, which I think is what is worse is pretending they like your parents. And when you become an adult, you could care less. But as a child and a teenager, you wear it heavily. And so, I mean, not that you can't care less when you're an adult, but you, you tend to put people in boxes and you're like, okay, this is this person, this is their role in the church, you know? And, and so I think it's easier to accept because you have a, a, a larger worldview of personalities 
as a as a teenager, it's hard to discern people's intentions for your parents, and naturally, you want to protect them. So that leads us right into our next part of uh, the conversation, which is <sighs> challenges as a PK. And you know, it's so crazy. There's something that I I read, and I was just telling you about it that. I, <laughs> When I was younger, I did not ever know that this was a thing. And it puts into words really what we have experienced um, or not experienced, but you know, just what some preacher's kids experience. And they call it preacher's kid syndrome. Now this is new <laughs> for me because I never saw this term, but it is basically a term that dignifies the response of children raised by a parent or parents of a religious order. So whether you're a preacher, a pastor, a deacon, a lay leader, a minister, or other similar similar church leaders, because you know deacons be at the church until the lights turn off, so it doesn't matter, um, who rejects the families and church's values through drug use, alcohol abuse, sexual activity, and et cetera. So like, that was a sad definition to me. And I want to, this is a sensitive area for uh, children who grow up in the church and, and have to see the behind the scenes. So let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you've identified that preacher's children or children of leadership usually may be, you know, exposed to. Absolutely. That, that definition is very um, eye-opening because you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, okay, yeah. So there's actually like a thing for it. Okay. But um, circling back around to what you said in the beginning about the sacrifice and the feelings that you have, I had, maybe still have, I don't know, extreme trust issues. I, if anyone knows me, I don't do people. I don't like people. Anybody knows me, I just, I don't, don't come near me because I didn't know, I didn't know you. And as part of, as part of uh, being a Christian, you think you're supposed to have the love of God. I'm like, well, how, how are we Christians? But I see these people just stabbing my parents in the back and just treating them all types of wrong, especially with the type of parents I had and the type of pastor and first lady that they were just very humble, genuine people and to see them be treated in a way that they just did not deserve I could not understand so I had this resentment towards the church I was like I hate you all and that's really harsh to say but between like 13 and 17 I was like I don't want to go to church I don't want to be there I don't like anybody I don't know why you have to be the pastor why do you have to do it like it was a very hard thing to understand that my dad was called but I think the the most challenging part was everyone else thinking that Pastor Bullock's whole family was called. No, 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 no. He was called. God spoke to him in our kitchen. He did not speak to me. He did not speak to my brothers. He spoke to him. We had to go along with it and we become the first family without God speaking to any of us. So that's something that, you know, of course you, he speaks to you later on when you can understand more and all that. But it's challenging to have that anger and you don't know why. Cause you're like, okay, I understand I'm supposed to love everybody. I understand that you're the pastor, but I don't understand why I have to put sacrifice my parents and my life for people who don't appreciate it. So that was extremely challenging. And the PK syndrome, it definitely happens. And I think people use all of the things that you listed as excuse, excuses to judge us. And it's like, no, we need actually we need serious help because with the snap of a finger, all of a sudden you're in the spotlight. 
and you can't stop it. You can't do anything about it. No matter where you turn, you are Pastor Bullock's daughter. You are Pastor Sorosa. Like, that's it. And that's a very, very big burden to carry as five, six, seven. That's that's pretty young to bring all those challenges on you. And it's something that they just don't, we just don't talk about. And I think we should. So um, I could go on and on about, <laughs> about challenges, but that's, that's all I will say for that. <laughs> well, I, I, um, wow. I think you hit on some major issues, uh, the pressures of ministry, um, be trying to carry that while your parents are ministering, because now it's a sacrifice. People's lives are changing huge, huge monumental life changes. I mean, people are being delivered, people are being healed and you're sitting there on the front row with your own issues. And, <laughs> and so, um, it's easy to appear to be all together and have your own things that you're going through. Uh, you know, as a, an adult now and looking back at the, the young lady you were, what advice would you give to any child or young person who's going through the ranks of ministry? And I'm going to extend this to even people who are in church and are around the first family and the preacher's children um, and any children of ministers or lay leaders. What advice, first of all, would you give to the preacher's kid or the lay minister's kids? Um. Looking back out on it now, I realized that I was just upset because I had nobody to talk to. Like, of course, you know, I had you, thankfully, but, you know, I felt like I had nobody to talk to or anybody that could understand. So, <laughs> so I would, I would definitely tell them to not have your um, resentment, hatred, dislike, whatever you want to call it, uh, emotions. Don't let that get in between you and your relationship with God, because that's the mistake I made, which I think we all do because no one talks about it. I made that mistake of letting it get get in, my, get in the way of my relationship with God, which is something that you just don't want to do. People assume, well, you're a pastor's kid. You should already know. It's like, yeah, but that's not really how it works. Like you just don't throw scriptures at you and then think that it's all going to come together. You have to make sure that you know him for yourself. So, um, and separate people, you know, in the church and outside of church, because there's just, there's just people like that anywhere. So I would say, um, to def definitely separate your feelings of the hardships of ministry away from your relationship with God, because then that's just a recipe for disaster. Um, the second, the second thing is, I would say it, it doesn't get better, but you can get better because even looking, I'm, I'm dealing more, <laughs> I was dealing more as an adult with ministry. And I'm like, isn't it supposed to get better when you get older? Like you're an adult. No, that's not how it works. It's just as hard. And even I went through some of the, you know, most challenging times as an adult than I did as a teenager. Um, so I wouldn't say that it gets better, but you can grow as a person that's when it gets easier to deal with different things. Um, and just talk, like, honestly, talk to somebody, you know, you can't, you can't pray this away. And that's, that's something that, you know, I know a lot of people may disagree, but you, you can't pray away you wanting to go to the beach with your family and you're angry because you have to go to court. 
choir rehearsal and you can't pray away the feelings that you have of years and years and years of missing out on trips and dinner conversations. And when you are trying to talk to your parents and then the phone rings and you're like, well, you can't complain because somebody is really going through something and they can call your parents, which is a great thing. People are giving their lives to Christ. That's a great thing. But I want to eat spaghetti with my parents at the dinner table. Like all that anger as a teenager follows you into adulthood. So you have to talk to somebody. Like that's that's great. I, I you have to talk to somebody. And I would uh go any even further to share what it was that really I believe delivered me from um just anger and like you said, the relationship being uh, broken from with Christ because you want nothing to do with the church. And I believe that I was teeter-tottering on a very dangerous slope and people from the outside probably couldn't even tell. And that's, we're good at that, right? We're good at rare masks. Uh, but w- people from the outside probably c- wouldn't even tell. And I struggled with that for a very long time. And only very few people that were very close to me knew about that. And I would say that one day I was... Um, reading the Bible and it was talking about like the bride of Christ. And it it was almost like it like jumped off the pages and it was like, the church is my bride. Like I forget the scripture reference um, off the top of my head, but I started to feel so convicted because I was like, okay, I know how Kevin feels about me. And I know about how I feel about Kevin, who was my husband, by the way. And so I'm like, it's nothing's busting us up. And if you come for Kevin, you're coming for both of us. And so how does Christ feel about the church? Like if I, if somebody doesn't like Kevin, you might as well not like both of us because the, at the end of the day, we're, I'm not, I'm not entertaining folly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so you're not coming for one of us. And, and cause you're, so I started to think about it. Um, in that respect, like, gosh, I can't dislike the church, but, but what I could dislike are people who misrepresent the church. So I asked God for forgiveness. And so on top of that, the advice I would give to pre preachers, kids everywhere is not to speak badly about the church. Don't, don't down the church. Don't, you know, you know, speak in a negative way because the church is Christ's bride. And as much as we might feel has been taken from us, Mm -hmm. we have to understand it wasn't ever the church who hurt us. Mm -hmm. It was the people who misrepresented Christ. And so that is a really great way to look at it. And with that reframing, I was able to create a new narrative and I was really able, I really do believe like if chains were physically on me, they fell off that day. <laughs> like, And it was just came out of nowhere. And that's what the importance of, again, kind of building that relationship because I was trying to get my relationship back. I was trying to connect with Christ because I started to feel that that conviction that we feel and that, and that closeness to God, I started to feel it slip away. I wasn't as convicted anymore. I wasn't as concerned about my walk anymore. I wasn't so concerned about having a prayer every morning and that scared me, you know? And so, um, get back to your first love as it talks about in the church of Ephesus, um, you know, our first love, and that is what will keep you. That's what will keep you. So telling them to talk to somebody, Kavina is huge. What, how about the people? Now, I don't have, we didn't go over this question before we talked, but yeah. how about people in the church? What advisement would you give to them regarding the sensitivity of children and teenagers who are growing up in the ministry light? Is there anything that you would say to them about being sensitive? 
Um, definitely. I think that some people should definitely know that as, as, and it might sound silly to some people or it may sound obvious, but we are human beings (laughs) who we we're human. We are human. That's all we are. There's no gold star that's on us more than the other person or another child in the church. We're just human beings. And I would even say that, um, try to put yourself in our shoes. Remember yourself at 15. How are you at 15? And on top of that, imagine yourself at 15 and you have to fold all the programs on Saturday night (laughs) and you have to be the one to, um, help your parents out and you're the ones helping your parents with ministry with the with ministry uh guidelines and you're you're doing all of these things and you're you are in the forefront at a very young age and you know you don't think that we don't go through anything either you know I I think more of just the human side I I feel like people looked at me like members in the church will look at me and go oh well she's fine or, well, she's supposed to do that, or that's what she's supposed to do. And like, there's no one taught taught me this. this. This is my first time ever going through this, you know. Um, I don't believe in reincarnation, so this is my first life <laughs> that I've ever been through this before. I, I would just advise them to look at, look at um, them as human beings. And if you do see any type of behavior that, that makes you uncomfortable, why don't you, you know, maybe try praying for them or maybe even pulling them aside and be like, listen, are you okay? No one has, no one ever asked if I was okay. They just, mm, mm. you know, why, why are you looking at me sideways? <laughs> you don't know what I'm going through, you know? And there was no, well, I hope you're, I hope you're okay. Like, are you okay? It's like, mm, you see the pastor's daughter. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, and in front of my face and behind my, and behind my face, behind my back. So, um, I, those would probably be my two things, uh, for sure. So, yeah. So, so what scripture do you want to share with our audience that you would say is something that kept your head on straight and <laughs> continues to encourage you today? Um, as a, well, as we know, like growing up, the, the scripture life was not really mine because I was just dealing with my own issues. <laughs> but recently, the scripture that has just been my favorite and following me literally everywhere um, is Jeremiah 29 and 11. Um, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. So that's been like my go-to for the past several years (laughs) really um it's been a real help every day every morning I try to look at it or God will just give it to me anywhere it could be Instagram YouTube it could be anywhere and it follows me so um it's been a real blessing to have that uh that is a really good one and I believe everybody I mean if you're in church you know Jeremiah 29 and 11 and that that it just speaks volumes about that scripture because I think like two or three other guests really resonated that scripture resonated with them and i want to give a scripture to to anybody who might be listening and feeling lonely in ministry because i think that as preachers kids uh and 
as ministers and you know leaders in the of the gospel period that there's times where you do feel lonely one scripture that i always remember growing up and it, i don't know i was so sensitive i had a sensitive heart growing up in church so i, I would be I would cry. I wouldn't understand why I was crying in church, but I knew I was very sensitive. And one scripture that I always remember my mom talking about was Deuteronomy 31 and 6. And it says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God goes with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. And that that scripture just makes you feel like, okay, no matter what happens, no matter how many meetings my parents have to be in, how many rehearsals, what, how, you know, how many services we have to go to. And although I'm around a lot of people, I still feel alone. God is with me. And it's, and you, and you don't know how powerful those scriptures are and you don't really feel them operating in your life until you actually face with a situation and you, and though all of a sudden out of nowhere, all these scriptures just start, start, start flooding your, your heart. And you're like, God, wow. Thank you for keeping me through everything. And even when I felt alone, you were there. And so anybody listening, I just want to encourage you if you're feeling overwhelmed or alone, or like Kavina said, I think that was so key. Kavina, you said, Somebody just, if, you know, for members, just go to them and say, are you okay? How are you doing? Just ask, <laughs> just ask. Um, it will make a difference. And so we're going to end with this. How, how can somebody contact you if they wanted to get in contact with you and say, uh, sister V, we want some, <laughs> we want some encouragement from a young adult. How can they reach you? Sure. They can reach me at my uh, business email. It's info at candidcavina.com. And you spell that K-A-N-D-I-D-K-A-V-E-E-N-A. Thank you so much for joining us. And you know what? I'm going to do something that I didn't plan. And <laughs> you already know yes. what I'm going to do. <laughs> what I'm going to do. I already know. You going to pray? Out? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Just in case somebody's listening, just need a little bit of encouragement. I'm going to say a quick short prayer for peace of mind and for um, for any spirits that might be trying to attach themselves to any preacher's child. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, God, for never leaving us or forsaking us. God, we thank you for preparing the plans for, that you have for our lives. And God, wherever, whoever is listening to this conversation that V and I are having, God, fill them tonight with your spirit. God, let them know that you are with them, no matter what they may be facing, no matter how alone they may feel. God, we thank you, God, for calling them into what you need them to do for the kingdom. God, making it clear for them at whatever age they are, God, put something, someone in their life that will just ask, are you okay? God, put somebody in their life that they can have to talk to, God, so that we can uh, rebuke any spirits of suicide and stop any evil attempts by the enemy, God, because we know that the enemy his own focus is just to come and still kill and destroy our children and our young adults, God. So right now in the mighty name of Jesus, we plead the blood over every single uh, young person that may be impacted by ministry negatively. Father, we thank you, God, for covering them, God, giving them redirection and purpose in the mighty name of Jesus. For your word says that you will give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. So even if they don't understand what's happening, that you you will give them 
a piece and they won't even understand how they got this piece because that's just how good you are, God. And we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 That was a mother prayer. That was a mother prayer. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Jesus in Therapy. Listen, healing is always available with Jesus Christ, and therapy can yield amazing results. Please share with a friend and subscribe, and be well. Thank you.